Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated elk-free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time. G&T without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind, head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined yet again by the legendary, the most on Yogi of Yogi's Mark Purse. <laughs> you love it when I call you that, don't you? I'm not sure if I love that, Monica. I'm going to take it as a compliment. Uh, I think it hits your stuff. Because you, you, you mean it as a compliment, I'm sure. I uh, do. I think, yeah, there's a part of you that may be a little bit offended by some of the yoga waffle. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call you the most un-yogi of yogis now. Yeah, please do. I, yeah, I want I, that. I'm not going to get a T-shirt made up. I saw you were just dropping yoga nidra practices on Insight Timer. That's I know. a very yogic thing to do. 
I'm so excited. And all because of you, I've got channel on Insight Timer, which people can tune into. I've got some yoga nidras there, a couple mm. of other meditations, and I'm going to be adding stuff over the next little while. So that's a great free resource for people if they're wanting to check in, start a meditation practice, or just mm. use a tool. It's one of the many tools that we have. It's a good uh, one. To settle it's the nervous one. system. Yeah. And what we want to talk about today is you know, how we make ourselves feel okay inside. Mm-hmm. This is one thing we're going to be hopefully touching on a lot in Bali on our retreat in Bali, which is coming mm-hmm. up, which there's still some spots left for. We really want people to go home with that sense of having loaded up with tools on how to feel okay inside. And this is one thing I've been reflecting on. I think it probably came from reading some Michael Singer as well, or listening to Michael Singer, but how we all want to feel okay inside. And when we don't feel okay inside, oftentimes we don't even stop to realize that, but we're just knee-jerk reacting off of that and reacting in a way like, I don't feel okay inside. Boom. I'm going to go to my addiction to make me feel okay inside. I'm going to put it on someone else to make me feel okay inside. I need everyone to be a certain way for me to be okay inside. So I guess using tools and ways to cultivate calm and to be okay inside, but firstly, recognizing when we're not okay inside. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we can normalize not feeling okay. A lot of people normalize. We're expected to some extent in society of like just toughen up. But classic Australian saying, drink a cup of concrete and harden up. Oh, yeah, yes. that's, that's, that's terrible. I mean, concrete is definitely not a good good thing to be drinking. But just that thing of like, don't be soft inside. Drink concrete and make yourself hard. <laughs> It, uh, but that's a, it's, it's certainly within uh, the divine masculine in in Australian culture. That is, it's a fairly, I've heard that one multiple times and it's, you know, it's a joke, but there's a, there's a level of seriousness to that where people are expected and also women just, just get on with the job. It's like, well, that can be fine to a point, but where is that point? And it, what can happen? It just, the pressure builds up and up and up until we have a, a serious breakdown, right? So there is, there needs, there's a catastrophe because we don't have, for whatever reason, we haven't learnt to recognise that we're not okay inside and also to be able to speak up about it and go, actually, you know what, I'm, I'm not feeling great today or right now and, and or mm. just generally and I don't know what to do about it. And often as not, unless we've learnt those skills, we need to be shown. It needs to be, I mean, an ideal upbringing, which very few of us had, that would have been demonstrated to us as children, taught to us through education for whatever is like, you're okay. This is how to recognize if you're not okay inside. And this is what you do if you're not okay inside. But you know, certainly in my case, that was not the situation. I came into adulthood not feeling okay inside, but often not, not always not feeling, so sometimes not feeling okay inside and then not knowing what to do about it. Yes. And I think addictions are a symptom that we're not okay inside or anxiety Mm. is a symptom showing that we're not okay inside or autoimmune diseases perhaps that we're not okay inside. There's different ways in which our body's telling us, hey, we're not okay inside. Mm. A heart attack. People just go through their life. I mean, there's many, many cases of people who just power on through their life and just put up with this day in, day out stress and they might take medication or something else to relieve the symptom, but people just drop dead. People who are feeling calm and relaxed aren't having heart attacks. You know, it's, there's a prelude to that, right? There's hypertension, there is stress, there's anxiety. These are the symptoms of, hey, something's not okay. The behaviours that act out on that. In one sense, it's complicated, but in another sense, it's it's actually really simple and straightforward. It's like, okay, I'm not okay. It's not normal to be, I mean, it is okay to feel not okay, but there are things that we can do about it. 
And when we're getting that sign, perhaps it's the anxiety or perhaps it's the craving for a drink where our body's telling us, hey, we're not okay inside. We need some attention here. That's an actual opportunity or a little gift there Mm. to address what's actually going on or what's the deeper meaning. So perhaps if you're driving along, you're driving home from work and you're getting the craving for alcohol or you're feeling that tightness in your chest or the anxiety rising, what if rather than reacting, we could take a moment of pause to ask ourselves, how am I feeling inside? Mm. Before I have this drink, am I okay inside? If the answer is no, well, why not? Why mm. am I not okay inside? Yeah. I think the first thing that people need to perhaps be told that it is possible to feel okay inside. And it, in, in many ways, it's your birthright. That is your right to feel okay inside. Yeah, and if you're yeah. not feeling okay inside, that's also okay too. But there are things that we can do to help you to feel okay inside. And that's a journey. Like the, the quick relief is to take the drink or to take the drug or to engage in that behaviour that helps us to find that relief. I mean, in this situation, we're focusing on alcohol, but most people who've had a, an alcohol problem will fairly readily acknowledge that it's alcohol is just one symptom. Often people stop drinking alcohol and if, unless we do the deep inner work, it's going to pop out somewhere else. You might not touch a drink of alcohol again, but there'll be something guaranteed. There'll be some way of, because we need something. We need a tool to help us manage that existential dread. So you're either going to find a healthy tool or you're going to find an unhealthy tool. So our process that we work with is using healthy tools that you can use to help, I'd say, do two things. One of which is to acknowledge that I'm not feeling okay. I'm feeling anxious for whatever reason. And then maybe to understand through this process of compassionate inquiry, what those reasons are and coming to that self-acceptance, self-realization of like, yeah, there's, it's, it's not a perfect picture here and that's okay. I think part of the anxiety is it comes from this feeling like we have to make it all okay. And, and this accepting that it's not okay. And that's okay. I feel like that's a really big step and it's a really positive mm. step. And then the next thing we need to learn is tools that we can utilize, that we have skills with that can help us to balance our nervous system and help to recalibrate our mind and change our relationships with our thoughts and with our our traumas and with our past. It's a big revelation for a lot of people who who go on this journey through meditation and compassionate inquiry and therapy or whatever it is. Some combination of all of those things I think is really effective. And it's the big revelations that I, I am not my thoughts and I am actually... I don't need to be defined by that trauma or whatever that was, that Mm. experience that's happened by my history, by the shame that I've attached to whatever it is that has led me to be who I am and where I am. I think a lot of addictive behaviour and alcoholic drinking is a way of masking that shame and that dread. Yeah, absolutely. Those moments where we can meet ourselves When we can accept, like you say, firstly, recognize and accept that, okay, I'm I'm not feeling okay inside. So to be there with it and to let it be felt in the body firstly, Mm. and to just experience that. So often I work with people, particularly people that have anxiety or they're around a particular family member, which might trigger off anxiety in the person. And so we talk about that and I guess bring that up in a really safe way and let them experience it in the body, that feeling that they don't like in the body Mm. that they usually want to escape from. And we realize that actually 
actually when we sit there and they're being held in presence and you're attuned with that person, that they can feel it in their body and use some tools or just awareness really to realize that it's okay for this to be here in my body at the moment. Mm. And if I let it be there and perhaps tune into what it's needing, it kind of dissipates. It goes, it doesn't have that stronghold anymore. Mm. It's that kind of understanding that these bad feelings aren't actually all that bad. They can be Mm. this little teacher to understand, okay, I've got some work that needs to happen, but I can be with it and I can meet it rather than react. And one of the great lessons, the great gifts that recovery gives us is to help to reframe our relationship with our past, with our history. And that's so it's not just an experience of shame. There becomes a, it has a value. My past, even though there was some weird and dodgy things that happen and a lot of things that I'm embarrassed about moments where I wasn't at my best. I look back now and that stuff empowers me. It's because I have this much more compassionate relationship with my past and, and my my former self. And I see for a lot of the part, a, a wounded child who was just, he was doing his best. He tried really hard and he didn't have great tools. He didn't have great skills. And for a long time, he was masking up a feeling of existential dread and, and just this inability to make life work and to deal with life on life's terms. And I look back now at that young man and I just, I have so much love for him because he's given me the pathway to become who I am. And that's one of the great things about teaching meditation and the the work that we do is that all of that stuff is fuel, basically. That's my catalogue of empathy that I understand. I can sit with most people who've who've had a journey with almost any sort of addiction and, and just go, I, I get it. You know, I don't know exactly your story, but I get most of the feelings that we have are fairly common and, and fairly universal. And you and I, through our own experience, can sit with people and just go, yeah, I, I hear you. I see you. And, and to help guide other people mm. to reformat their relationship as well. So they might have, again, this experience of being more empowered with the contemporary reality. Yeah. It's something that comes up often too, Mark, where people feel so much shame about past behaviours, about things that might have happened or things they've done that they're not proud of when they were drinking. And it's so huge. Also, that's another thing that makes you feel not okay inside. Shame is just an awful thing to feel in the body. Mm. How do you, when that comes up, when things come up for you that Mm. you're not proud of, and you say that you give that part of you some compassion, describe that a little bit. You don't have to describe what happened, but how you meet that. Loving kindness, that's uh, it's actually a, a Buddhist meditation technique, which it's quite beautiful. It's very simple and, and elegant and loving kindness. Well, we can practice it two ways. We practice it to other people. So maybe there was somebody else involved, often that there's resentment as well. Practicing loving kindness towards that other person who may have been involved in that situation, but then the shame's involved. It's it's very much towards myself. So practicing that practice of loving kindness, a beautiful meditation technique that we can just sit in that stillness and actually just practice loving kindness to that person. Maybe that was who was in that situation and give them forgiveness. And it's a, that's a beautiful meditation technique that's just sprung to my mind. Then it's something I've been working with a fair bit recently in my personal practice and teaching. And uh, it's really simple, beautifully elegant and really effective. Uh, but there's probably lots of... love that. 
Yeah, it's good, huh? It's good. Mm. It's really, you know, prayer for others and and just acceptance and love for ourselves. And ultimately, it's it becomes a quality. So you you sort of practicing the inner meditation practice. So I'm sitting there and, you know, maybe there's someone I really don't like or I'm resentful towards and I can just shower them with love, whether that's a visualization of a beautiful pink light or surrounding them or just focusing on them as being again, like me, a, a person who's doing their best and is dealing with whatever and just praying for them to find the strength to heal and to evolve, but then turning that light back to myself as well and then cultivating that experience of loving kindness for me uh, and whether that's the me who sits here now or the me who, who was in that situation whenever it was, it's the same thing. But then ultimately that just becomes a quality that you experience. It's a feeling. It's a, it's a way of being. So I can then finish my meditation practice and then maybe walk out into the world inhabiting that experience of loving kindness and that becomes a quality Mm, so that's so nice so beautiful that's that's one way yeah it's a really beautiful buddhist meditation technique and uh we can certainly play around with that more during the the program in bali we'll certainly be doing that meditation practice and a similar sort of things as well so they're the sort of the instantaneous things that you can do that's, I'd say if you're in a, a feeling of existential dread, it really depends on, on where you are. And one of the things that I love to do and what I really want to do with the people who are coming to Bali with us is to help them become so familiar and comfortable with a series of meditation techniques that they can know. Because if you're in a full meltdown anxiety, probably a loving kindness meditation is not where you're going to go to. You might want something that's a little bit more dramatic. And because if you're in a really disassociative and, you know, I've I've certainly been there and I just can't possibly meditate. So there's, there's things that we can do then, which are going to be more dramatic, probably working with some dynamic breath work. And again, just it's like the, the horses have bolted. And so you need to grab a hold you're not just, hey, horses, let's just slow down. When the horses are bolting, they're not listening for that. You need to grab the reins and you need to bring those horses back under control. And so dynamic breath work is a really great way to do that. You know, strong physical asana practice could be another way, but I love breath work. And you can really just, when my mind gets really, it's, uh, you know, with working with more dynamic breath work techniques like Bastrika or Kapobhati can just grabs a hold of the nervous system and helps it come back online yeah that's going to be so awesome to dive into some of those practices over there in bali and and using i guess even using some breathwork techniques that get you into that state of some conscious discomfort Mm. where you can learn to be with that discomfort for a bit and then see how it feels on the other side of that how it feels in the body to experience some discomfort and then come out the other side it's a beautiful thing yeah one of the things we do do with breath work is is we test the nervous system so we're creating developing resilience in the nervous system and you can do this by well, a few different ways but the main way is is retaining the breath and and we don't do it to the point of being uncomfortable with breath work and certainly the system that I utilize it's quite gradual but just holding your breath and doing it to a point where you're actually inducing a little bit of panic maybe but just mildly and just playing around with that relationship that you're actually building resilience in your nervous system I mean the nervous system is a physical structure living in the body and it governs a lot of this our experience of feeling okay on the inside which is the sort of subject where we're working around here today it's governed by the nervous system the nervous system Mm. tells us if the nervous system is on high alert 
if our amygdala is, is online and we are in full fight or flight, we're not going to be feeling okay. We've got a feeling of existential anxiety. And a lot of not feeling okay is actually very much connected to our ability to relax. And so, again, breath work can really go there quite directly and quite immediately and help us to re-regulate, take the amygdala, take the, the fight or flight, the sympathetic nervous system offline and help us just to come back. It's quite profound, particularly if we've got a big container where we're sort of working over you know, a period of days where we're going to be able to have long sessions and we can just ease into it nice and slowly. And again, people walk away with a series of, and we will, I imagine, have a recording of a particular breathwork technique that people can take away and go, here's a 15-minute reset practice. Practice. You know, if you take that on mm. and you do that, ideally a few days a week, ideally every day, if you if you can find it, but particularly when things start to get a little bit edgy, it changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to just have these tools and it's good to have different tools, I think, to help you and support you so that you can create that sense of being okay inside yourself. Yes. But sometimes it is good to have multiple things that we can draw on. Because like you say, it's not always going to be, okay, I'm going to go take long extended breaths when I'm in full anxiety mode. Mm. Or if something's really upset you emotionally, but what can we draw mm. on? So say this week, I've had a massive week. My sister passed away on Friday of pancreatic mm. cancer. Mm. And that was complicated because we had a complicated relationship. It mm. wasn't a straightforward kind of relationship. So there was a lot there and a lot that I had to kind of process. Mm. And I did do a lot of breath work, but it wasn't quite shaking this feeling mm. I had in my stomach. I had this tightness in my stomach, which I haven't had for a long time. And I couldn't figure it out. I just couldn't figure it out. So each morning I was just journaling and mm. just doing some stream of consciousness journaling. I was yeah. still doing some meditation, but then just journaling around how I was feeling and it changed each day. It would go from full compassion towards her and trying to understand her in our relationship and that difficulty that we had. And then me on the next day. And then one day was just full anger. And I've come out of it after about five or six days with some clarity and my nervous system finally let go, but I had to work through it mm. and use multiple tools. Yeah. And I tell you what, Mark, I'm so fucking glad I'm not drinking anymore mm. because I would have felt that discomfort in my body and I would have drunk. I would have drunk fucking shitloads. I told you and you said, oh my God, that's so, so bad. I'm so sorry to hear that. And I replied to you, I said, it was a complicated relationship. And you said, love is still required. And I'm sending you heaps of love. Just for you to acknowledge that, that love was still required, even though it was a complex thing, felt nice to me. Mm. that was beautiful and I just kept thinking that love is still required here and I kept repeating that to myself mm. love is required I need to give myself some love so mm. the reason I'm waffling on about this is it was a really great learning experience for me mm. and I shared it with my groups and now sharing it here on the podcast not to emotionally dump but just to say sometimes we're not okay inside mm. and there's multiple things required and love is always required Love is required. Yeah. And that's not a waffle. That's a really beautiful share. From where I sit, you know, just to be able to bear witness for you through this time. And there's lots of other people who I know love you, whether they're just listening to your podcast or you're there, your close friends or family, and just to bear witness and just say, 
hey, Danny, we're, we're seeing you in this and we get it. We get that it's complicated. We get that life is complicated. You need our love. So then you can project that love forward to where you need to direct it to. So mm. keep it just bouncing around. And that's mm. a process that you that you need to explore. One thing I'm mostly proud of was that I was able to recognize having a daily practice of being really aware of my body and how I'm feeling, being mm. aware of my own nervous system and what that's doing, that it's not like the horse had bolted. And then I needed to, fuck, shit, fuck, oh, oh, that's right, I can do this, oh, that's right, I can do that. But they were kind of there at the ready. There were all Mm -hmm. these things that I know to do and I know to draw on. Okay, that's not quite working. Okay, I'll try this. But knowing that I wasn't okay on the inside, I definitely Mm -hmm. wasn't okay on the inside, and then just working my way through that and massaging it out. And we don't always feel, this is the other thing I want to talk about today too, we don't always feel okay on the inside straight away. It can take a few days, (laughs) right? No, yeah, it's it's probably going to be depending where where things are at. That's the, one of the things that we look for with alcohol and, and drugs and whatever else. We're looking for immediate relief, and that a, a lasting solution is not going to happen necessarily immediately or even quickly. It can take years. I think you, people need to sign themselves up for that reality. If you're if you've just quit drinking and and you're dealing with life on life's terms, there's going to be complications in your life that you're going to be dealing with for maybe if you're really, and this is if you apply yourself, you can stop drinking and then just go into abandonment, just kind of just want to ignore all the problems. I mean, if you haven't done your tax for a few years or you've got a, a backlog of whatever it is, relationship calamities, we need to go there. We need to figure it out, but we also do it in a compassionate way that is... <laughs> kind to ourselves so we stop drinking and then that I mean that's that does bring for most of us immediate relief because we're no longer dealing with that physical horror that a lot of excessive alcohol use can can bring but oh my god yes that there is going to be ongoing stuff and that's good again reformatting our relationship to discomfort so we can actually get used to feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I'm at the moment doing a whole lot of book work, tax stuff, and I hate it. And I've actually got, uh, I think I've got a sister who's who's an amazing bookkeeper and I, she got that gene, I didn't get it, and she's just walking through this process with me, just taking, and it's just this process of feeling uncomfortable and actually setting off, set up a structure with her where I'm just walking through it. I can always think of more interesting things to do than, than bookkeeping funnily enough but but amazing how okay you're going to feel on the inside when that's all done <laughs> mm, my goodness yeah yeah i'm so already getting out the other side little tasters little tasters of what that feels like yeah i mean that's just that's just one example but most of us have these things a word that i think is really important and it has been a really important part of my recovery journey is, is contentment. And it's one of the qualities that yogis are supposed to cultivate is this experience of contentment. And part of that is being, I'm okay when things are not okay. I'm okay mm. when I'm dealing with life difficulties, like the passing of a friend or a relative or the daily grind of life, which is not always fun. And so that's all stuff. The world is just loaded up with stuff that's going to trigger us. <laughs> so we're to build a, a capacity to sit with not being okay all the time and just accept that that's part of the journey is a big part of the practice. But there's a balance there of like, okay, it's not about, we said at the beginning of the conversation about, it's not just about toughen up, drink the cup of concrete. It's actually about soften up, but it's not turning into mush. Like we need to have some structure in our life. So having that sort of midway point where we can, we do have a little bit of emotional resilience, but we're not rigid 
And we know there are times when we just need to focus and get things done. But there are times when we need to be really open and vulnerable uh, and give ourselves permission to grieve and to mourn and to be still and to be soft. And, and this is the wisdom that can only come through practice and uh, practice and guidance. I think they're the two things. It's like, well, all of this stuff, it's just to have somebody who has walked the path before you. Uh, and has had some experience and can reflect upon their journey, but can give insight into, into your journey. Certainly that's been really important for me. We're not expected to have to figure all this out on our own. Absolutely. One of the main things here is that I'm hearing and, and sort of experiencing myself is that when we take out or when we're drinking all the time, we don't have that connectedness. We don't even have that ability so much to really feel into what's being felt. We're more avoidant. Mm. So we're the opposite of that kind of being soft and accepting and and allowing mm. things to happen when we're drinking all the time we're not accepting things we're not accepting life on life's terms we're fighting against it often mm. even if it's mm. that i feel uncomfortable in a social situation or i'm stressed out so i need to zone out from that but actually mm. to sit without the alcohol without that kind of symptom and say well yes i'm stressed right now mm. and how can I be with that? How can I accept that first, allow that to be there and then respond in a way that's really healthy and being with it so I can make myself okay on the inside. Same as if I'm stressed socially and I feel awkward and to actually connect with that feeling. Because if we don't connect with a feeling, we're never going to be okay on the inside. But alcohol is the great disconnect, right? Yeah. Feel the feelings. So simple, but so true. And alcohol helps us to not feel the feelings. If we're not ready to feel the feelings, there's too many feelings. But what happens is they don't go away. So we're not dealing with stuff and it just builds up and builds up and builds up. And we have this back backlog of feelings that haven't been felt and that we need to in the course of this life if we ever want. So what happens when we stop drinking, even momentarily, it's like, oh, my goodness, all these feelings start arising up and that can be really uncomfortable. And so that's why if we're going to stop drinking and stay stopped and be happy, but find contentment. We need to have some really good tools and we need to have some really good support. Another thing you mentioned journal. So we talk where we've been talking about meditation practices, yoga and injury breath work, which are, you know, for me, they're the fundamentals as far as technique goes. But as far as other practices, journaling, again, for me, that's been really big in my early recovery. My technique was just to write down where I was at, my problem, and the answers would come. I'd sort of start by just writing, this is the problem, you know, this mm. is where I'm at. And this is what's what I'm feeling. But then I would actually, if I noticed after a while, it wasn't really even intentional. It was just this feeling of I'd start writing my own answers and the answers were there. That feeling of just letting it out and also a form of sort of self-therapy, which is really profound, but talking to somebody, uh, having a counsellor, having a therapist, having a friend. And you know, the fortunate ones among us have those people in their lives who mm. you can pick up the phone and you know that they're going to answer and you know that they're going to be able to hold space. For me, that's fundamental. to have. I don't need a lot of people in that category, but I've got a few that I know when I start to really feel not okay that's my default position is to actually pick up the phone. Absolutely. It is so nice to have someone to bounce off or just to say, hey, I'm, I'm not feeling okay. And just for someone just to witness that, just to allow you to express what needs to be expressed mm. is, is so beautiful. One thing I was thinking about when I was thinking more about not being okay inside, usually the reason we're not okay inside is because we're fighting a reality. We're fighting our reality of what is. Mm. So for me, one of the first steps of being okay inside is acceptance. Mm. Acceptance is so important. It's one thing 
that allows us to let go. It doesn't mean that we're going to become a doormat or anything like that, but accepting that, yes, I had a complicated relationship with this person and and now they're gone. Accepting that things aren't always going to work out the way I want. Accepting that people aren't always going to show up in the way that I need them to show up. As soon as we start fighting against what is, we're instantly not okay inside. So for me, acceptance is such a huge part of my own healing process. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it described as his practice of radical acceptance of just I'm accepting life on life's terms as it is right now. My part in things, accepting that I am who I am with all of my failings. And I certainly I know one of my great problems that caused me to get to that space of real existential crisis where I was really forced to confront myself before I stopped drinking was just feeling like I had to put up a veneer, that I had to convince you that I was cool and okay and that everything was good. Classic Australian. I think it was a beer slogan. It's it's, it's all good, mate. It's all good. It's, it's not all good. It's never all good. Where did that come from? That's sort of something that's been, it's a marketing slogan for a beer brand, I think. And it's 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 never all good. So this experience of accepting that sometimes things, some things are good, some things are not so good. And it's just, they're all just things. If I did an inventory of my life right now, there's things that are awesome. There's things that are not awesome. There are things that I love and things that I'd love to change, things that I'm struggling with. It's, there's the whole tapestry of it, but none of those things define me. I am consciousness navigating my way through this experience, you know, without being too lofty about it, but just changing my relationship to all of these experiences, again, it just helps me to accept that. So I don't have to convince you anymore that everything's okay. And that's this process of radical acceptance, which must come with an experience of radical compassion. Mm. So, so we become deeply compassionate to ourselves and to others, as, as we sort of discussed before. Mm, absolutely. Something you just said about what's your relationship with sort of what's happening. And it's something I think is a really good thing for people listening to reflect on and ask yourself, what's your relationship with what shows up for you? Like if there's a challenge, what's your relationship mm. like with that challenge? How do you handle life when it goes mm. pear-shaped? What do you do? And with this is not to put judgment on yourself or put yourself down, but just to have some awareness around, okay, how do I show up when the shit hits the fan and mm. it doesn't feel good? And when I don't feel okay on the inside, this is a great question to ask yourself because if you see that the answer is not kind of caring for yourself in the way that you should or could be, mm. then perhaps how can I change that relationship with what shows up mm. when I'm faced with those challenges? Am I accepting, am I fighting the reality? Because we only have problems in our life when we create the problems in our life. And the only reason that we create problems is when we're not accepting. When we're not accepting, we ruminate. When we ruminate, we react. And it's our reactions when we react that cause us huge amounts of suffering often. Mm. When we have to send out the apology text the next day and all the other things that we do or spacking out at our partner or our kids or something like that. So dialing it back a bit and thinking about it, how do I react when the shit hits the fan? What's my relationship like with that? Mm. And how do I show up when things aren't okay inside? Yeah, that's they're great questions to mm. ask. I think fairly essential, and we might not always love the answer. Mm. Uh, but if this is going to be a journey of personal evolution, then I'd say that that sort of self inquiry is fairly essential. If you really want to know a person, put them under pressure. That's when stuff pops. It's easy when all things mm. are good. You know, I've had plenty of sleep. I'm, I'm on holiday. I'm getting everything done my way. I've got plenty of money. All things are just flowing nicely. But let's try, put me under pressure. I don't have enough sleep. I am 
stressed about various things. I don't have enough money. I'm having complications in the external world, family, etc. It's like, how do I show up? And am I? That's when the default behaviors start to project. Is it to run or is it to fight? Am I going to deny that there's a problem? Am I going to self-medicate or some combination of all of these mm. things? And and again, this reflection as we go through this. I'm not sure where people are as they listen to this, but if you're drinking as your default process, then you know, that's probably one of the first things that needs to get looked at. It's really hard to have this journey of evolution that we're talking about if you're still self-medicating through alcohol. I guess you'll know too if you take out the self-medicating thing, mm, how yeah, it feels this stuff start. starts coming up yeah. without that. All right, then great. Something needs to be worked on further. Mm. You could always bring it back. Like if it didn't have any changeable effect, cool, bring it back. It's like no one ever says you don't have to do it again. It's just a, I think what a lot of people find is that they stop drinking and they go, oh, actually, that was a bigger problem than I thought. That mm. uh, that certainly was my experience. Do you ever watch Game of Thrones? No. No, what planet have you been on? Uh, <laughs> so there's this huge ice wall and it's like hundreds of feet high and it's hundreds of feet thick. And so anyway, I was at that point, this huge wall in front of me and I thought I could just tap my way through it. Walking back from that wall, I saw how insurmountable it was. It's like, wow, because like all I could see was just what was in front me but then I stopped drinking and I walked back from that and I looked up and thought wow there was no way I was ever going to get through that with all this stuff that was in my life what I had to do was walk away I had to I had to stop drinking that was the first step to get that perspective and that, at that point then I could really get to the work that needed to be done I mean it's a it's a fairly essential part of the journey if you feel like drinking is a problem in your life or you're feeling complications and you're drinking a lot then maybe consider stopping and then you can start to deal with the other stuff one thing I would say, Mark, is if you need something, mm. need is a sign that something's not okay. Mm, definitely. If you yeah. need a drink, <laughs> something's not okay. If you need a coffee in the morning, which mm. I do all the time, perhaps yeah. something's not okay. I'm actually doing the Soma Wise course with Dr. Luke Snooski, who's been on my podcast recently. Mm. And he was my teacher in CI, the Compassionate Inquiry course. We've only just had our first session the other day, but he's saying, going on down the course, he's going to make everyone takes something out that they need. So for some people that's going to be alcohol, it's not an alcohol thing. It's just about mm. getting into your body and noticing what shows up in the body when you take this thing out. So for me, it's going to be coffee. And I was saying to Ash mm. today, we went and had lunch telling him, I think I'm going to take out coffee. He's like, oh God, no. Mm. <laughs> Even though coffee, since I've been doing so much yoga nidra and meditation, I can feel it in my body and I know it needs to go. It's something I feel I need. So it's a sign something's not right. Something's going yeah. to go. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, coffee definitely is is a drug. There's no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, I probably need need coffee too, but it's, I don't think you can put it in the same category as alcohol. No, and definitely I, not. So I say I've, I, I never missed a day of work from drinking too much coffee. I never shouted at anybody from drinking too much coffee, or maybe I get a bit snappy sometimes about too much coffee. But certainly, like all those sort of slippery things that happen with alcohol, they're not happening with coffee. It certainly doesn't have that nearly that effect. But again, as you say, it is a need. And, I mean, you, you may decide to come back to coffee, uh, but yes. it's a really interesting if you want to test yourself even just for a little while to yeah. say, well, let's, let's let's examine that. It's like we do with this Antamona meditation, find the points that are charged. It's interesting to meditate on benign things like the touch of the air upon my skin or the sound of that car or over there. But when I start to meditate on my mind and the, and the constructs of my mind, it gets really interesting when I meditate upon things that I really want or really don't want or really don't like and because they've got that emotional 
charge. There are vasanas that are causing our vrittis. These are sort of the grooves in the mind. That's where we need to go eventually. And yes, that's, that's, that's where we need to go. I love that. And see, this is, and what you going back to what you're saying before, is when you take that alcohol and you can step back from that big glass wall mm. and then you realise, okay, now the alcohol's gone and now that all that reactivity and things like that, now I can start doing the deeper work and the deeper mm. healing that needs to happen. And that's what's so beautiful mm. when you take out these big vices that we have of our needs, take that away, and then we can start peeling. This is what's great about having a bit of sobriety under your belt, but you don't have to have years of sobriety under your belt either. It can, oh, no, it you can start, happen early. You, you, you start, start today. Yeah, yes. you start today. I mean, you can start if you're drinking. That's totally okay. I went into therapy before I started drinking. It was one of the catalysts. I think I've mentioned this before. I had a I had a relationship that ended and then I ended up like I was drinking a bit too much or a lot too much. And I had a friend recommend, I said, I need a psychologist. Uh, and I had a friend who recommended me to a lady, Rudha Nicholson, who I'd never heard of, but she had experience with drunken alcohol. And, and I started speaking to her and it's, she didn't talk about drugs and alcohol. That I mean, it was, it was on the table, everything was on the table, but I, that began a three-year journey of me in fairly much weekly therapy with her. And then I didn't even know at the time, but she was a meditation teacher and actually one of Australia's probably leading teachers in the insight meditation traditions. I just got, got really lucky. And she just guided me slowly, but surely did this point that it was just self-knowledge and understanding that actually a i needed to begin an authentic meditation practice and when it came time to stop it just gave me that roll up and just that self-awareness around my relationship with alcohol more and more so and just being able to accept that for what it truly was and go in and it was a problem i didn't want to admit that it was a problem but we just got there slowly but surely with a lot of compassion and self-love and go yeah you know alcohol's a problem i need to stop which made the actual i mean the stopping still required effort and energy, but it wasn't as simple. Oh, okay, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> it was a little bit more complicated than that, but it helped that rolling definitely helps. So, you know, I would say to people, it doesn't matter where you're at in the journey, you can start the practice of self-awareness now. Mm, absolutely. Hey, Mark, if you were to look at yourself, I can't even imagine you as a drinker. It's so funny, like people you meet that aren't drinkers mm. and you've never met them like that. I'll send you some photos. Please do. But tell me, like, you look at yourself back when you were a drinker and look at yourself now. Give me a picture of how you are with okay. freedom I, from alcohol. I, I would say the biggest thing is just a lot less anxious. I didn't stop drinking because of the things so much that were happening when I was drinking. It was the things that were happening when I stopped drinking. And so the feeling and the anxiety and the fact that my life was just not going in the direction that I wanted it to go. So I feel now just a lot more empowered in my life. I feel that I'm really connected to a life path and I have the tools that I still have waves of anxiety. I know we've discussed this in the past and I sort of identify as a delicate little petal. And that is the moniker that I, that I wear of just, if life gets difficult, I am quite vulnerable. But I'm so fortunate that I have tools that I can lean upon. Where I am now is, is I'm, I'm a lot more resilient, not, not in the sense that I'm tougher. I have gone through a process of experiencing vulnerability and softness and have really good tools that I can use to help bring myself back online when things start mm. to get a, a bit wobbly. And my life is a lot more interesting. I'll tell you that much for sure, because one of the things that happened when I was drinking, I actually just, I mean, I thought my life was unreal. I worked in the music and the film industry. 
and there's a lot of cool things kind of happening. But my life, my personal life wasn't actually that cool. Like really, I was going to cool parties, what felt like I was going to cool parties and hanging out with cool kids. And the reality of my personal life, it wasn't that cool. My relationships, my personal relationships were all complicated. And my relationship with myself was there wasn't a lot of love. There wasn't a huge amount of self-esteem. So yeah life's better now definitely absolutely it's so beautiful I love talking to men especially men that are able to be vulnerable and able to do the deeper work on themselves Mm. not a lot of men feel safe enough to do that and it's great Mm. I've noticed every challenge I do there's more and more men joining there's definitely more women there's now like a sprinkling of men throughout the challenge and the challenges and like particularly this last challenge group the last few actually these men are just they're just so beautiful Mm. and willing to do the work and willing to go there and willing to open up some of them took a bit longer to get there to kind Mm. of realize and see their vulnerabilities or see their traumas but now being able to be with and meet that vulnerability and meet that kind of scared little boy Mm. that's been told to drink a fucking cup of concrete and harden up Mm. (laughs) and just to be soft like it's sexy it's beautiful it's that's manly I I think it's yeah beautiful and 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 you can also be tough I'm a really tough guy like you know I (laughs) I I, 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 yeah I am like I'm able to deal with a lot of complication and a lot of adversity yes and you're strong like you look strong and yeah I'm physically physically strong too I wouldn't want to pick a fight with me uh (laughs) but more important is this emotional toughness of being able to just I've got grit. I heard a listen to your TED talk the other day about sort of people, you know, what defines success? It's grit. It's your ability to just keep backing up and just focus. But that doesn't have to preclude vulnerability. You can still have grit. You can still have determination and focus, these really masculine qualities. You can still be powerful. You'll be more powerful if you have vulnerability. You'll be more powerful if you have this capacity for self, self-awareness self and self-knowledge. And certainly if you're not a pisshead, you know, pissheads are weak. They're just, yeah. you, you blow up and they just fall over. They can't handle stress. And it's this capacity to be able to sit with discomfort and, and find contentment within the difficulties of life. And this is what freedom yes. from alcohol can give you over time. And this is what these practices, yoga is not some wafty weakling thing to do. Yoga will make you strong. Yoga will make you internally powerful. And, and it's not just about physical strength. It's actually just a, a side effect, really. It's this emotional capacity to, to self-regulate and to focus and to concentrate your attention, which is going to affect your love life. It's going to affect your relationship with yourself and your working life and enable you you'll just become more effective as a human being. That's what this is about. That's what all of this stuff is about. Oh, my God. So well said. So amazing. I often think about Shane Turner, who's Lissy Turner's husband, and he is landscape gardener. His hands are rough. He's a bloke, mm. but yet so soft. That man's like a, an emotional mountain. He's just mm. strong, but so manly. And and he doesn't drink, and he's not the pisshead he was. Oh, my God. Mm. He was the big pisshead back in his day. And that, for me, is just absolutely beautiful. And men that do the work on themselves, the men that are willing to go there, it's beautiful and it is like you say it sit in discomfort when you're not okay on the inside but you can sit and meet that that's real strength yeah yeah the yeah. boys yeah the boys you know, yeah, and, they, the and boys. they need to because worldwide masculinity is a problem and somebody has to take charge of it somebody has to i look i see more and more these young men 
who are redefining what's possible, the way that masculinity can be expressed. But a lot of men, unfortunately, what happens with a lot of these traumatised and disaffected men is that they scramble towards positions of power because that makes them feel secure. That is a coping mechanism to, to mm. develop and so get into politics or become the, the power. They say that a lot of you know big CEOs are psychopaths <laughs> scr- <laughs> scrambling for, mm. for these positions of, of power over other people because it helps them to feel more secure in themselves. But again, you can be powerful. You can be strong. You can be a leader. And you, we've seen these leaders over time, whether they be male or female, but who can find that capacity in themselves. And you know, another one of the things that I've got through my practice is actually the, the difference between men and women isn't so much. Most of it really is. I mean, obviously we've got physiological differences, but so much of the what we perceive as differences is really just learned behaviour of how we think that we need to be. Most of the time you, you sort of scratch away at the surface. We want the same things. We feel the same things. We just have different what feels like expectations placed upon us a lot of the time. Mm, absolutely. One thing I know is that in this week that's just gone by or other times when there's been hardships and where it hasn't been okay on the inside, but then resourced within myself, used my tools, sat with and met myself where I was at, I feel so much stronger mm. and calmer and clear. Oh my God, the clarity mm. that I've got now, as opposed to what I had on Friday, perhaps we can support ourselves and get ourselves through but first we have to recognize. So this is the first step is recognizing when we're not okay on the inside, mm. accepting, allowing, acceptance is such a huge one. And then what tools have we got? What have we got? Yeah. And make ourselves okay on the inside. So before yeah. we go, Mark, firstly, how do you know when you're not okay on the inside? Just you mm. as Mark Purser? It's physical a lot of the time. Mm. Or, or, it's, or, I, or I notice that I'm doing certain things. So, for example, I mean, I feel tension like in my body. I feel anxiety in my throat, in my chest, in my belly. I can feel it. That is a physical sensation of things not being okay. And that needs to be addressed. Sometimes if I'm just really tired, like yesterday, I was really, I had a, a night because I'm going away at the end of this week and I had a whole lot of things I need to get organized. I've woken up at three o'clock in the morning and my brain's on and I'm in planning mode. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to get up and just start throwing myself into this and start getting some things done. So I did, but then I was, I hadn't had enough sleep. So I was a bit off all day. Midday came, stop, drop, long yoga nidra. Uh, and again, yes. I'm just having that tool. So I just woke up at so one o'clock and I'm like, I feel so grateful that I've got that ability to, and that knowledge of I actually to reset everything I woke up at. And it's, it's, you know, one of those things that happens when you don't have enough sleep, because you have too much cortisol in your system. So you haven't dealt with the cortisol from yesterday. So I'm, mm. was a, and, and you know, one of the things that you know, so this understanding the neurology of it's like, oh, it's actually really, it's essential that I get this process of cleansing, resetting my, my, my cortisol. Uh, so that was, again, I just acknowledging that physical feelings. And the other thing I mentioned is I see my myself if I'm behaving in a certain way that can be really subtle you know if I'm not speaking appropriately to my partner if I'm blaming her for things or just blaming other people in my world for things that's a, that's a big one that's a telltale sign for me if I'm not sort of really being accountable I'm, I'm pushing out it probably means I'm a bit scared about something that's uh, oh, scared that. so I'm trying to put the attention onto other people and putting mm. other people that's a really easy stroke put other people on the back foot and and that makes uh, my partner doesn't put up with much of that but I can notice it thankfully most of the time before it becomes too elevated and go oh, okay what situation is happening in me why am I behaving 
like this, practice a little bit of love and kindness to myself and to others and, and how can we put this, this back on track? And a lot of that comes, again, as I said, through conversation. I mean, I can go and do my work, but there's something so powerful about having these conversations with people who you can just talk freely about it, whatever it is, and just get some, whether it's feedback or just there's something powerful about just getting it off your chest, journaling, as you say, but putting it onto paper or sharing it with another individual. Mm, I know. Oh, that's so great. Thank you for sharing that. And I would say the same for me. It's like if I start the shitty thinking or speaking mm. not so nicely to Ash, perhaps, or people that are close mm. to me. Or it's but, always them. So there's the people who are closest, the yeah. first target. Yeah. Oh, yeah, poor bastards. And then it's also the telltale sign for me. It shows up in my body straight away. It's in my tummy. Mm. And then again, yoga nidra, absolutely journaling some long extended exhale a walk on the beach getting out to nature helps me and with the journaling just quickly on that i had a few people ask me about it in my challenge group and the journaling i tend to do which is not my normal gratitude practice is just stream of consciousness mm. so just the first thing that comes to mind or anything that comes into my mind it's like a purging of the subconscious and i always find that even if it's just like dog sitting there winds blowing I hear the ocean, mm. blah, 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 blah. I see an apple and then something will happen and I'm just off. Mm. I'm just riding, riding, riding. And then I always get this sort of little nugget of clarity right at the end of it. And then I kind of know I'm done. It's so there's, good. There's, yeah, it gives you really an insight into that subconscious and that we have so much wisdom. Yeah. There is so much wisdom there. Absolutely. That's my challenge to everyone this week is to get out your exercise book and your pen and just write the first thing that comes into your mind, one to three pages. If you can, it doesn't take long. Make it messy. You don't have to read it again, ever. Show anyone. It's nothing like that. But just a purging of whatever's there in the subconscious mind. It gives you so much clarity. Mm. It's just amazing, particularly if you're going through some big stuff. Oh, it's great. Well, it's good for anything, really. So that's it. You know, this week thinking about am I okay on the inside? How do I know when I'm not okay in the inside and mm. what tools can I implement? What can I do to make myself okay on the inside? And notice, am I reaching for externals to make me feel better on the inside? And ask yourself right now, listening, how do I feel on the inside? Mm. Mm, what's going on for me on the inside? It's a, it's a beautiful question to ask and to keep yeah, asking ourselves. A, a bit of preventative maintenance is the other thing that was yeah. on my mind to share. Just yeah. don't let it become, if you can, if you can make mm. that practice regular, like check in every day, how am I going on the inside? So start making journaling a, a regular habit mm -hmm. so it doesn't become an existential crisis, the full meltdown before mm. you're asking the question, oh, okay, I'm a bit off today. Just getting in early and noticing early and, and dealing with it early really useful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, fantastic. So obviously we've got our Bali healing retreat, deep healing retreat coming up mm. in April, April 1st to the 6th, which is my birthday. I cannot wait. There's still a cake. Oh, yay, good. I hope it's, it's a sugar-free, gluten-free, dairy-free. Nah. I can't that. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. No way. I won't, put, I, I, I won't put any brandy in the cake. How's that? We okay, that's perfect. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, so there's still chocolate. spaces for that available. And so if anyone's interested in that, please shoot me an email. Obviously, we'd love people to come along and just really do that really deep inner work where it's going to be really intensive but really beautiful with some great tools to take home that will make you okay on the inside when you're not and just really peeling back the layers that's what that week is going to be about really getting into being with the stuff that's there that's been sitting there for a while and getting into a relationship with that and learning new ways in which we can respond 
to those things that are showing up. We want to leave that place feeling pretty rejuvenated and pretty accepting of ourselves and in and a beautiful inspired. place. Inspired, inspired yeah. cultivating and, and cultivating that courage for, for what's come next. It's lovely to go away and have a sanctuary and, and it's, you know, we, I think we spoke about the other week, mm-hmm. a retreat space where we can really deeply relax and we create a sacred container where people can be with each other and, and share their vulnerability. Once you've had that experience with yourself and with others and but walking away with tools and, and friends that you can step into what happens subsequently empowered to make those changes and to carry forth and yeah i've got no doubt we're creating something really special it's going to be quite sublime for the people who are there so if you can come yeah i think it's just a few spots left so if you can jump on board now's the time yeah so looking forward to that it's going to be a beautiful experience just to drop in with people the other thing i'll be offering when we've come home from the retreat just to integrate and see how everyone's going is just a one-on-one session with myself Mm. just to have that integration to check in and just to see how everyone's flowing and how everyone's feeling and how that's going for them. So that would be another nice thing that I'm wanting to offer to people awesome. that are coming along to that Bali deep healing retreat. Fantastic, Mark. You go get ready, do all the things. Thank you so much again for your time. I know how busy you are and it's you're okay. amazing. I've, gonna, I've, I've got to mow the lawn and make dinner for the family. That's the two things left on my list for today. Oh, that's uh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, uh, I hope uh, you make something uh, lovely uh, and nutritious. Oh, it will be delicious as always. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for the chat. I really enjoy it. I love talking about this stuff. So Yeah, that. thank you. I will see you in Bali. Yes. Oh, my God, I can't wait. And also, as we said at the start of the episode, that I'm now on Insight Timer, Danny Carr, mm. with some meditations, a couple of yoga nidras. I'll be adding stuff, as is the wonderful Mark Perso. He's also got some beautiful meditations and beautiful offerings on the Insight Timer app, which is a free app. You can just go and there's a gazillion courses and meditations and beautiful teachers on there including myself and mark so Mm. jump on there and perhaps familiarize yourself with some of this stuff that we've been talking about particularly the yoga nidra yeah i think we always circle back to that one if you it's it's a lovely starting point for people i think for both you and i danny it's been a such an integral part of our recovery journey and this journey of self-healing and self-compassion the Mm -hmm. deep rest that yoga nidra gives you so yeah check it out i'm going to be checking out danny uh, yoga nidra shortly. Oh my god! Um, when you said on Instagram that you're going to check it out, I got really nervous. All of a ah. sudden, I'm like, actually, he should be nervous because if it's rubbish, he's the one who taught me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it won't be. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've had some great feedback from it actually, so I'm really stoked. I'm really glad to be able to share that with people. It's love yoga nidra. Such a beautiful thing to share when you've had that profound experience with the practice, and as as I know you have, you've been sort of talking to me about it so much. And as, as I did with yoga nidra, it's a love affair that you go, wow, this technique has really literally changed my life has changed me on the inside it's Mm. literally helping me to to reset my dna when you have that profound experience and now you can have that ability to pass that on to other people and know when they develop that role it's like wow it's i mean it's actually not so much about you or about me it's about them connecting to the technique Mm. and having that experience for themselves it's a it's it's a beautiful thing to be a part of like we've got to do something it's really nice to be able to do something that brings such great value into the world Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, Yoga Nidra is a guided meditation. You can hear it. Just go to Insight yeah, Timer. Check it out. Listen. Without, check it out. I think we've talked about it enough on the podcast, but for first-time listeners, that's what that is. Mark Persa, mm. see you in Bali, mate. Au revoir. Talk to you soon. Ta-da. Bye. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.